0: Welcome to episode 34 of the Digital Fabrication Experiment, a podcast about all things CNC. I'm Winston Moy, and I'm joined by my remote co-host, Eddie Kramer. We'd like to bring you into our conversations about life in the shop and topics in making. Eddie, how are you doing today?
1: I'm doing great, Winston. How about you?
0: I, I can't complain. I just did the uh, drive down from San Jose down to San Luis Obispo. And uh, yeah, it's been a, a blast on my little mini uh, maker road trip.
1: So the reason you are there is very exciting for Digital Fabrication Experiment. We have a guest tonight, Carolyn, better known as Machine Girl on Instagram, that's at machine girl underscore, is joining us tonight from uh, her remote studio and home fabrication machine shop, otherwise known as her bedroom. Um, Carolyn, welcome to the show.
2: Hi, thank you.
1: Carolyn is a welder and machinist at Melfred Borzall. Uh, Carolyn, how long have you been working there?
2: Um, It's about five and a half years now. So, a long time.
1: And you started as a welder. Um, Were you doing that before you, like, were you doing that in high school or is that something you kind of learned? on the job.
2: It's something I kind of came on randomly. I never did any welding in high school. I did um, metal casting with my dad, but um, never kind of never through school. But then after high school, I was waiting tables and I was kind of not loving that. And so I went to our community college to just take like an auto body class. And then started welding in the auto body class and then joined the welding program at the school because I liked that more than pulling dents. So (laughs) I kind of came to it randomly, but... I
0: mean, so I've met your dad before and he's a pretty (laughs) cool guy. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Did he sort of have any influence on this? Like, uh, have you always sort of been hands-on growing up?
2: Yeah, so my dad basically, like, he teaches a foundry class at our local college. So he has a shop and a foundry kind of at his disposal. So he raised me and my older sister there whenever he was watching us or, you know, spending time with us. He would always kind of take us to school with him, whether he was teaching or not, and just leave us in the foundry. So he never did any welding, But he, from like the, I was in diapers, he had me making stuff, not necessarily pouring metal at that age, but playing with the sand and the foam. And he just kind of always had us around it. So it's always been a part of my life, but not really the welding and machining, but some form of making.
1: Yeah, so you basically grew up in a manufacturing family, right? (laughs)
2: Yeah, like he had a a green sand pit at, we don't anymore, but he had a green sand pit at the foundry, and he would just literally dump us in there, and we would just have that as our sandbox and just be little kids in our sandbox, hanging out with the college kids and like playing with the stuff they made and all that, so.
1: Sounds like you you picked up welding, got your certification and training through the college, Um, but... When I look on your Instagram, I see you running machines a lot more than I see welding these days. So how did that transition happen?
2: Um, that was another just random thing. Um, after school, or while I was still in school, I did like a summer internship at the place I work at now, Melfred Borzel. So they do a lot of internships just to give kids hands-on experience because that's hard to come by. So they'll... Usually do summer internships, and then if they like you, they'll keep you around or bring you back. So I went there for one summer and then just stayed. And I was there welding for about two years, and then I kind of just, I would walk through the machine shop to go to the bathroom or to go to the kitchen, but I never did anything there until, uh, it was about like three and a half years ago. The machine boss just kind of stopped me one day and was like, have you ever thought about machining? I said, no. (laughs) And he was like, well, you know, I like your work ethic. And if you want to learn machining, I'll teach you how to machine. And so I was kind of like, are you still going to pay me? And he told me he'd give me more money. And so I said, yeah. And the next day I went to the machine shop and... I've kind of gone back to welding here and there, but I've pretty much just been in the machine shop since. So I didn't mean to learn machining or ever really want to or intend to, but now I love it. And so it was super random, but
1: so did you go, was it a formal apprenticeship or was it more, uh, he kind of just took you under his wing and, and got you proficient as fast as possible.
2: Yeah, no, there was nothing formal about it. It was like that conversation was on a Friday. And then the next Monday, I just showed up in the machine shop instead of the welding shop. And they had me just kind of follow people around for like three weeks. And then they just kind of threw me to the wolves and... I, like, I didn't even really know what I was doing, but within a month, I, they had me doing my own setups and stuff, and I still don't really know what I'm doing. I make up, like, random names for tools or just, yeah, I, I've never had any formal training. Like, I've, I've done a lot of outside of work education for myself since going to the machine shop. Just, I mean, you can find anything online. So I did a lot of online learning, but nothing real. (laughs) I'm just kind of learning as I go. And I just learned at the job, basically. So,
0: Do you have like a sort of a mentorship thing going on with anyone else at work? Like someone you go to when you uh, need advice or help?
2: I do. I have a couple guys. Um, One of them is our old lathe guy, he was a screw machinist, he's a non-vet, he's your classic old machinist, third generation screw machinist, and he loves that, so I'm the only girl at the shop, the only girl that's ever been there, and he loved the fact that I was there because he doesn't see why it's a men's thing, blah blah blah. So he always took me under his wing, and he'll show me the most random things that don't seem like they apply, but, you know, I'll take my notes and whatever. And so he, he's he been the main one to kind of take me under my his wing and push me and all that. There's been a—most a, of my coworkers have been really helpful, but he's the main one that's just made me feel like I can do it and showed me whatever I needed to know and all that.
1: Oh, that's great. Did, are you, did you do any manual machining there? Did you jump right into CNC?
2: Um, I don't really do any manual machining. Like I can kind of on a mill fake it, but we don't do much there. And like we have one, two manual mills and two lathes, but only like two people use them. I never do unless I just have to make something quick and easy. But I don't really know anything about manual. And that's something I want to learn about, but someday I will, but I haven't yet. So I just literally just got thrown into CNC without any training.
1: So, what's life like in a big shop? Because, like, Winston and I are used to, you know, Mostly hobby machinists, and Winston actually works uh, at a manufacturing facility that has big BMCS. Yeah.
0: Um, Except they never let me touch them. So, uh, yeah,
1: <laughs> he gets to look at them. <laughs> um, yeah. So what's life like, especially for you know someone young that's in that's been in the trade for you know I think you said five years. So what's your what's your take on that?
2: Uh, it's interesting. We're we. We're kind of a smaller shop for the amount of product we sell and make. So it's pretty busy, but I love it. Like, I work for, I don't know, I might be biased, but I work for a really good company. And so they kind of take really good care of us as if we were a smaller shop. They're really involved in our personal life and... You know, they know everyone in our family, and, like, my dad shows up at my work even when I'm out of town for company barbecues, which we have all the time, so it's a big shop, but it still feels like a really small shop, so I'm kind of lucky with that. That doesn't feel like a big shop, but it's it's pretty cool. Um, so, like, we kind of just make stuff for ourselves and our, like, distributors and customers, so we don't have a lot of, like, outside influence on us, really. So I never really think of it as a big shot, but I guess it is kind of compared to your guys'.
1: And in Melford, uh, Melford Borzal, you guys are doing, I guess you're specialists in uh, horizontal directional milling, um, or I'm sorry, not milling, horizontal directional boring. Um yeah like, the cutting tools for that process. Is that right? I, yeah. Like, I looked on the website, they're pretty big. You guys are making some pretty big components.
2: We, like, the machine shop, it's relatively small stuff, but the welding shop, it gets big. Um, like, we have a big plasma table there that, you know, cut everything out, and so we'll cut out to two-inch material. The back reamers we make are sometimes huge, like 40 or more inch diameter. So they're pretty big and heavy and impressive. In the machine shop there's a lot more kind of delicate things we do, but the welders get the big, the big dirt movers. So we we have a good variation of big parts and small parts and so that's kind of keeps it interesting so
1: so I want to get you on the record turning or milling which one is king
2: I I don't know okay so I started milling I did mills for like a good year before I ever really touched a lathe so I'm way more comfortable with mills even though there's a lot more to them you know they're a little a little more going on there but I'm more comfortable with mills, so I kind of like them more because of that, but lathes scare me a lot more, and I know a lot less of that, and that kind of makes me like them more too, because it's a little more exciting for me to do you know, my lathe setup, and you can't see anything, and if you're in the material, whatever's gonna happen is gonna happen, I, you know. So, the mills, you kind of have more control. So, I like mills because I know them more, but then I also like lays because they scare me more. So, because when things go wrong there, I mean, you're just, you're screwed. (laughs) So,
0: what about between machining and welding?
2: That, so when I machine more, I miss welding. And then when I get into welding more, I miss machining. <laughs> so I'm kind of the same. Like I, if I, to be perfectly happy, I would do like 25% mill, 25% lathe, 50% weld. That's not what happens, but I can never choose cause I love them both. And they're like welding's more physical. It's physically harder, but machining is more mentally challenging. So I like doing both so that I kind of get both sides of it. So I can never choose. <laughs> I'm also horrible at making decisions. So, <laughs> But I love them both.
1: Are you doing any programming yet? Or is that something you're interested in I'm like, picking you up I, you?
2: I'm like a baby programmer. Like, I don't do it at work. Um, but I've, I do it here and there. Like, my dad does all the foundry stuff. He's got lasers that I play with there, and I have forever. And so I've used AutoCAD for ever. But I've never really done much of the cam until a year and a half, two years ago. And so that I'm kind of learning on my own through, like, I did a little Mastercam University, and then I do all the Fusion tutorials. And now that I have the little mini-mill at my house, I'm learning a lot more. But I'm trying to get into programming, but without access to a machine, it's kind of hard to... Like, I've done a lot of random drawing on the computer, but not a lot of running my own programs. So I'm trying to teach myself just in my own free time and kind of trudging along and learning a little bit here and there.
0: So. That makes you having a Bantam tools machine kind of a big deal because now you can sort of just try something and run it and not worry about crashing a spindle. Yeah. How has that experience been for you?
2: That's been really cool because I'm used to at work we machine steel we machine heat treated steel and so if you do something wrong there it will break your tool, it'll rip the part out of the fixture, like something major is gonna happen. Whereas with the Bantam at home, I, even as the stuff I do in metal, I always do it first in foam, just to see what's gonna happen. But I've been able to do a lot in foam, which we use the foam for uh, metal casting. And so that's really helped me with my confidence in programming, but also just learning how to tweak things and you know, if I mess up, it's foam. who cares? It's not going to break the tool. It's like if the part rips out of the fixture because I didn't tape it down enough, I just stop and retape it. You know, it's It's made me a lot more confident, which is one of my big issues, is my confidence. And then it's also just helped me like, fine-tune little things that I've never really gotten to play with before. So it's helped me a lot.
1: I mean, now that you have kind of a home CNC machine, um, I mean, it sounds like you have a lot of enthusiasm for manufacturing, like even outside of work. I think you mentioned you go, um, you know, you do a lot of self-education or, you know, finding uh, educational material online. Are you are you doing anything, um, any kind of mentoring for other young people that are interested in coming into manufacturing? I've seen some posts on your Instagram that makes me think you are like, going to uh, events and stuff like that that are designed to bring people into manufacturing and kind of let them know what a career is like?
2: I kind of I do. Um, that's something I want to get more involved in. and Because, uh, you know, before I got into machining or welding, I never thought of it as a possible career, even with my dad in manufacturing. I never really saw it as something I was going to do. And so I, I want to get more involved in it and would love more paths to do so. But I do a lot of, like, career day work through my work, which is another reason why I love that company. Um, so we have, I'm sure you guys have seen the huge welding trailer. I'm
0: pretty jealous. That yeah, pretty legit. it's
2: badass. Uh, so they kind of partnered with Lincoln back in the day to build that. And... Now they've donated it to our local community college, but we still provide materials and labor and all that. So they let me, even though I'm not still a welder, and all the welders hate me because I get to go, but they let me go to the career days pretty much because I'm the girl of the shop, so I get to go, like, get other girls into it. But so they take me on career days um, to middle schools, high schools, some elementary schools, which is kind of intense, but uh, so we take that trailer and we just kind of pull up to a school and we have four little welding machines that we can pull out of the trailer and we just let the kids weld and make projects we have or make whatever they feel like making, which sometimes is just welding scrap metal together because they like doing weird stuff so I basically just do it through work when they let me but I would like to do more of it because there's a lot of people that just don't especially females that don't know that it's like a viable career path but so all that that I've done is just through work because they're the fam I work for like a a family-owned company it's been owned by the same family since they were founded and like 1946 and they're really into their community they're really involved in like all aspects of the community but mainly getting people into welding and machining and you know the robotics teams we have locally they f- help fund that like they're really into getting kids into those kind of careers and so that's all of them I just get to tag along and you know do stuff but they provide all the material, all the money, all the give me the opportunity to do it. So I just kind of lucked into that aspect of it.
0: Do you ever think about sort of because I see you uh, occasionally showing your nieces the the bantam? Do you try and yeah. sort of have an influence on them?
2: I do, and I I have to give it back soon, which makes me kind of think I might just buy one, <laughs> even though they're expensive or they're not bad, but I guess. It's it's so good to have here. They're, both of my nieces are homeschooled. They're um well, their mom is my sister, but their dad is originally from like Southern Mexico. So they'll go back to Mexico like 3 or 4 months out of the year so that, you know, they can get in touch with both of their cultures and both of their families and all that. So they because of that they're homeschooled. So I really want to start some sort of, like, actual, I don't know, class or little program with the two of them where they can do a CAD-CAM machining kind of thing as part of their homeschooling. Because the older one is like nine and a half, the younger one's like five and a half. So the younger one's not as into it because it gets boring and, you know, sometimes you have to go play. But the older one is really into it. She's um, She just wrote her first program like last weekend, which was kind of me just telling her what buttons to click. <laughs> but still, you know, she... It's kind of a big deal. Yeah, she drew out the part. She, she, she designed the part. She drew it out on paper. She did all the geometry and design. She chose the tools and, you know, the toolpaths and all that. And then loaded it in the machine, and did all the machining, and we haven't cast it yet, because we didn't, we haven't melted metal in the past, like, couple weeks, but, so she'll have a part that she drew out on paper, like, modeled, machined, and then has the final casting for, and so she did that all herself, I mean, I did a lot, but she did it all herself, with help, so that's been really cool to see, so I want to, kind of try to work more with them with that. And there's so many like avenues to work with. Like they can work with their math and their basic computer skills while improving their CAD, you know, so I want to try to get a little program for them.
1: That's nice, it gives them a nice kind of foundation for, for understanding engineering and manufacturing. Yeah, and a taste for you know if that's a career they want to pursue, that'd be great, or just something they want to be good at for fun. Doesn't really matter, um, you know. No matter what they end up doing in life, right? They'll have that skill. That's really cool. Are you um, doing anything like that, or thinking of doing anything like that um, in your community beyond what you do with the uh, Milford Boris Hall, like teaching at a makerspace or anything?
2: I've so we have a makerspace in San Luis. And I've still never been to it. I've had friends that, like, lived there, basically. But I... Because I have Cal Poly and my dad's foundry, I usually don't even think about the Makerspace because, like, Winston got to see the shop. We have literally everything you could ever need.
0: I came from an undergrad school with one large VMC, and they have, like... I haven't seen the whole campus, but I counted like a dozen, like Haas machines.
2: We probably have, like twice as many around the school. <laughs> it's yeah. Oh, I've
0: seen that picture. Yeah, it's
1: amazing.
2: Yeah. Oh, I'm really so we have all kinds of mills, lathes, laser, laser engravers, welding, foundry, a metal printer. You know, we have everything we need at my dad's shop, and I. Volunteer at Poly so I can technically like use all their machines. So I always go there, and I never go to the maker spaces. And I always tell myself I should because I could learn stuff there, but I could also help teach, which helps me learn. But I just always am lazy and go to Poly because all their stuff is just so convenient, and I have access to it and. So that's something I should do and I want to do, but my I haven't because I'm lazy.
0: I also think you're completely <laughs> spoiled because <Yeah>. MakerSpace <laughs> is ever going to match what you have at Poly.
2: Yeah, it's. Uh, I'm sure you take a few pictures.
0: I, I took a couple. Yeah, I I have a uh, a Zeiss CMM.
2: Yeah, Zeiss is really like helpful. They're amazing. Um, But their educational department has been really, like, they have a few girls there that are amazing. And so I don't know if we bought that or if they gave it to us. I have no idea. But, yeah, we have this ICMM. We have, like, probably close to 30 houses on campus. We have, like, everything.
0: So you've got more (laughs) capabilities than most, like, job shops would.
2: Yeah. I think probably even more than my work. (laughs) But, yeah.
0: So, yeah, I, I can't blame you for uh, just going there and not the Makerspace. Yeah. Do you know if the Makerspace has a CNC?
2: They do. They have, I think, a few. Okay. But, yeah, I've still never gone. I'm, someday I'll go. I really should. Like, I've had, my friends, that used to work there all the time. Like, they've always told me I should go and, you know, I could help with class, uh, classes and stuff. But I just haven't. Ever, I'm horrible.
1: So you, it sounds like you're you've got some ideas, maybe like, or I shouldn't say ideas. You have experience now um, working in your manufacturing field. What do you think? Like, what's your advice for young people considering, or should they even a consider manufacturing career? Um, I think I know the answer.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and
1: um, and assuming that you would say yes, uh, like, what kind of how, what's a good place for them to start? Like, say, high school student. Because um, a lot of, like, a lot of the high schools don't have shop anymore, right? They don't really Yeah, have, like, uh,
2: none of them do. Their trade
1: education. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like it, you have really good support in your community at the college level for that. Um, but, you know, for, say, students that aren't necessarily college-bound.
2: Yeah, our high schools are lacking, though.
1: So, I mean, you know, I think, like, Makerspace is, one place to potentially get exposed if they have, if you have a good one in your area that has CNC machines, uh, not all of them do, but i um, just kind of wondering what's your, what's your take on, you know, young people going into manufacturing? Um, I'm assuming that it's the same there as it pretty much is everywhere in the U S it's hard to find people. Like there's a lot of manufacturing jobs that are open, but unfilled, right? Cause there's just not enough people with the skills to fill them.
2: Yeah, that's, that's a huge problem here. That's why we do all the career days, just to get people to know that it ex- exists even because they don't get that from shop classes. They're all shut down. So I definitely think manufacturing's a good career choice. Um, I When I started the whole welding thing, I also started going to school for engineering, and I did half of that. I was going to transfer to or reply or whatever but then I started machining and so I was planning to do engineering gotten a welding to just pay for it and then just randomly gotten into machining realized I wanted to do machining and programming and kind of stopped the engineering because I mean I as an engineer programmer that would be nice but I would make a better programmer as a machinist turned programmer. And so it was like, do I want to go to school, take out, you know, $100,000 in student loans, go into massive debt, or do I want to just keep working and learn what I need to learn in my own time on the job and on the job and all that? So I stopped school because it was like, I don't really need the engineering. I can learn that by myself. But... I need the manufacturing, machining, like, I need to learn that if I want to be a good programmer. So I definitely think manufacturing careers are worth it, even if you don't want to continue on and be a programmer, be an engineer or anything. Just welding, machining, foundry work, like metal casting foundry is so desperate, yeah. Uh, It's it's definitely worth it, and you don't have to go into debt to learn this You don't have to like spend four years or more at school I started out liking school and then I started hating it and just thinking it was a waste of time and it kind of was I mean It would be good to go back and get my engineering degree, but most of that stuff you can learn online a lot of it for free, <laughs> so it just became pointless to me to like pay someone, take all this time out of my day where I can do it on my own, I can teach it to myself. So yeah, I, I basically, I mean college is good and everything, but it's not for everyone and there's not even room in college for everyone if we all decided to go after high school or whatever. You know, we, some people need to do trade work and that kind of stuff. And it's a good career. And it's a career where you have a lot of control over what you do. And if you want to move up, you can. You just have to work harder. And if you want to make more money, you can. You just have to work harder. And it's... I don't know. I, I love it. Like, I honestly never thought I was going to be a welder or a machinist, and it, I ended up loving it. So, Delilah, my dog's trying to lick the microphone. That's not food. It's not food, I know. I'm so sorry.
1: You know, that's one of the really neat things about manufacturing is there's, like, many paths to get into that career. Um, you know, formal apprenticeship, the apprentice... Journeyman master, which is probably still required for some of the trades, but like machining, um, you know, the instant machinist community on Instagram, I've seen people come from different backgrounds. So, like, they didn't necessarily start off as somebody that would be doing machining or manufacturing. Um, like, I'm, I'm a software guy. I kind of started this as a hobby on the side. And now I'm actually kind of running a little business doing it. And Winston, you know, Winston did a career change to end up working for a a hobby machine tool builder and um it's like it's a very i don't want to say flexible but it's uh, it's an open career right compared to like some of the more yeah it's like if in, you mentioned something um you know if you have the work ethic and the ability to learn and the willingness to learn like you can pretty much do whatever you want to be doing in manufacturing i think um, assuming you have some skill, right? <laughs> or you pick up some skill along the way?
2: yeah, well, skill skill you can learn. but like a work ethic, you you can't teach that to people. So as long as you have a work ethic, you can pretty much learn anything. Um, so that like that's what, like I said, that's why I got into machining was just the supervisor saw I had a work ethic, good work ethic. and you know, you can teach someone a machine or weld, but you can't teach them how to work. So as long as you can work, you can show up and hustle. Like you can learn this stuff, and you can make a good career out of it. It's not really easy, but it's worth it. So.
1: Yeah, it's it's interesting, right? That's the good part. It's
2: yeah, it's it's super interesting, and it's like, but that's why I uh, kind of. Stuck more with machining than welding. It's just uh, welding is really there's a lot you can learn and a lot you can do, but with machining there's just more to learn and you learn every day. You you know you crash a machine, you learn. You do anything, you learn. So that's my big thing is I that's why I was interested in engineering because I wanted a career where I could learn every day and that's what machining is you you know you can so you can do pretty much anything you want there's so many different routes and different kind of things you can make and it's just like I could machine for my whole life and still be learning every day so that's why I got obsessed with it
1: Uh, I wanted to circle back so the metal casting so I've seen some of that on your Instagram page it sounds like you're doing that at, uh, I guess at at the college and at your dad's place. That's not part of what you do for work. Um, so, what kind of stuff are you making? Is that? It sounds like it's basically a hobby for you, right? Is that? Uh...
2: Yeah, we. Uh, well, so my dad's what he does at the uh, at Cal Poly, is he t- teaches in the engineering department. They just. They have uh, machining, welding, uh, metal casting, just to kind of show the engineers that these processes exist and kind of to appreciate them and respect them. And so it's it's a very kind of basic class, but we do also a lot of stuff in our free time just as kind of hobby stuff. So it's completely a hobby for me. If I lived somewhere where there were real foundries, like the Midwest or something, I probably would pursue that as a career instead of welding or machining. Because I I was raised in a foundry. Like, I love metal casting above everything. But there is, like, no metal casting in California because of stuff I'm not going to get into. <laughs> But yeah, so a lot of metal casting, a lot of foundries have kind of been driven out of California. Um and the US cuz OSHA, which is needed. But it, there's not any foundry near me, but if there was, that would probably be what I wanted to probably what I wanted to do for my career because I love it. But I can't do that for a career unless I leave where I am and go to, like, the Midwest, which I have no interest in that.
1: Someplace with snow, yeah. Someplace with snow half the year, right?
2: (laughs) I don't do seasons. I do 60-degree year-round. I don't know what snow is or actual rain. Earthquakes, I'm fine with, but, like, weather, I can't. So, yeah.
1: So you're kind of into Jeeps, right?
2: Oh, yeah.
1: So is that... Um, are you casting any parts? Like, what kind of stuff are you casting at the at the uh, college?
2: Sadly, nothing for the Jeeps. I have these little Jeep grill necklaces that I'm making. But no, like, Jeep parts. Uh, my boyfriend, he built a rock crawler, and I should have made parts for him, but I didn't because I'm a horrible person. And uh, so... <laughs> I like there's so many things I could make, but I just haven't, I, cause I don't have, kind of have the time. But it's like piecewise, you know. So to make anything for me, it takes like a long time. And so he gave up on me making parts. For him. <laughs> but there's there's a lot of stuff I probably should make for the jeep and the crawler, and that's kind of. Like in a perfect world, I would have a little machine shop and we would make truck parts. But, you know, hopefully that'll happen in years or decades. But not yet.
1: Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you. I mean, I, I hope uh, Bantam lets you keep the the Bantam Tools machine a little bit longer and we get to see you post more about that. But um, are you thinking about maybe getting like a, a used industrial machine like a real vmc at home or a lathe or anything like that or is that I even am... a possibility where you live
2: well so where we live right now my, i live with my boyfriend and so we're renting a house so we have you know a yard and a garage and everything but not really like we can't put in a machine shop or anything here while we're i mean i haven't really talked to the landlords they'd probably be down so we, hopefully, within the next year or two, we'll actually buy a place with land. Um, but San Luis is, like, the sixth most expensive city to live in in the country. <laughs> it For good reason. We're in wine country. We're right on the central coast of California. It's, like, the best place ever to live. I mean... There's California stuff, but it's a it's like paradise. So it's really expensive to buy a place here. So we're hopefully within the next couple of years gonna buy some place with basically land and shops and like a tiny house or something because neither of us need a house. We need shop space. So whenever that happens, yeah. <laughs> and I, like I need a different shop from him because he's like a truck dude and he's all greasy and dirty and all his stuff's greasy and dirty and with my like machines yeah Yeah. you want
0: those two no
2: i've told him like i need my own shop like i need a foundry and then you need your truck whatever and then i need my own shop where you cannot get it dirty and gross and like yeah
0: so we're talking like a a one bedroom one bathroom two garage yeah place like
2: we could have like a tent on like an acre or five you know (laughs) like i don't if the house is warm, whatever. Yeah, so I'm trying to get him to get into machining because he's smarter than me. So if he learns it, then we'll be able to do a lot more. But he knows it. He's, he's got this annoying brain where he's not, like, like, he's not a genius. Christian, don't think you're a genius. But he's really smart. And, like, you tell him something once and he gets it. Like, he just gets it. And he's been working on trucks and excavators and all that his whole life, so anything mechanical or, like, machine-wise, he just gets. And it drives me crazy because I can explain something to him, and then he'll understand it better than I do, even though I'm the one that told him about it. And so... I'm like, once I get him addicted to machining, then he will probably get addicted to making truck parts. And then we can have a machine shop in our house. So that's the goal.
0: The master plan. <laughs> if, if he had a project that he was personally invested in, I think he'd, he'd be a lot more keen on learning. Yeah. Like if you got a machine that could make like, I don't know, like camber arms or something. Yeah,
2: that would definitely get him hooked. But so that's that's the long term goal is you know get a machine shop, his whatever shop, and then a foundry, and then, because he knows all about trucks and stuff, so it's like we could make trucks parts. I know nothing about cars, like they have tires, I don't know, but he n- understands all that. So it's like that'd be cool to some do in the future. That's like the long-term goal.
0: Your Instagram handle is Machine Girl. It's not Welder Girl. So did you join Instagram after this transition to to machining? And sort of did you expect to get anything out of sort of the Instagram community?
2: So I started my Instagram, I think like a month after I started machining. Um, I went to this Autodesk Fusion 360 boot camp up at their Pier 9 up in San Fran. And I went there kind of randomly. I was hanging out at Cal Poly using AutoCAD on the lasers like it was today. Mm -hmm. And um, Reed Johnson, who used to work for them, was kind of at the shop, saw me using it. And they were kind of recruiting students for this Fusion boot camp they did. Um, So I went up there. I didn't, like, I had a Facebook, but I don't really, eh, eh. I didn't have an Instagram or a, I still don't have a Twitter or anything like that. Um, but there are a lot of, like, cool people we made, like, or c- cool people I met, like Sonny, who's, like, my favorite person in the whole world now. And so I realized to kind of keep in touch with them, maybe I should make, like, an Instagram because they were all on Instagram. And I was not into social media at all. I don't even know if I had a smartphone like three years ago. (laughs) So I just kind of started it like to keep in touch with the kids from the boot camp. Uh, So I was already machining, but barely. And, but the whole machine girl name comes from a movie that's really gory and bloody. And it's like my favorite movie called machine girl. And anyone listening to this should watch it. It's amazing, but it's different. <laughs> but it's really good. Uh, so I just kind of stole that as my handle just because I watched that movie way too often and it kind of fit. But yeah, I was just getting into machining and I mean, i just made Instagram to keep up with people. I didn't really ever intend on using it for anything so i yeah it was super random
0: there but now the world knows about people's skill at folding bandsaw blades and oh
2: god tino is amazing with that i can't even so i can kind of do with like the small blade but he does it with this huge ass blade and most people do it the safe way which is the you know you step on a fold and it's so boring but Tino is a badass, so he doesn't know. He just learned that you can step on and fold a bandsaw blade. Like, he didn't even know you could do it. He just, like, does it that way because it's easy for him. But I can't. I am I chicken out all the time.
0: You can't do that if you don't commit.
2: <laughs> no, that's the thing. Like, I'll get to the point where I'm almost, like, wrapping it up, and then I, like, chicken out, and he he... Makes fun of me all the time. Calls me a chicken. My little chicky wings. My little (laughs) arms. Uh, (laughs) He's like, your chicky wings, chicken dad. It's bad. Uh, But, yeah.
1: So where do you see yourself in, say, five years?
2: I don't even know. Well, so in a perfect world, in five years, I would have, like, 50 dogs. That's, like, the main thing. Uh, But I want to transition more into programming I like I love machining and it's awesome but I don't really see the point in just machining if you aren't programming or can't program or like it's just why would you only machine when it's so easy to learn programming it's not easy to do but there's a lot. Of information and knowledge out there so it's really easy to learn for free basically at this point point. and so that's what I want to do I want to machine but I want to program I don't want to just run parts and work off other people's you know programs like I want to kind of more transition into the programming hopefully
1: we have a, a third host who could not join us tonight Chris Lee and he's transitioned from the healthcare field to manufacturing last year. So he's working at a injection mold company. So he's, he's kind of doing, I think he's, yeah, he started there doing mold design and he's like us, he's, you know, he's done hobby CNC stuff forever. He's comfortable with fusion programming and CAD and CAM. Um, but now he's like kind of doing that for a living and he's in the same boat. Like he wants to, uh, I think he wants to be programming their parts. And someday I, he's kind of going a little bit different order. He ultimately, I think, wants to be running the machines too. <laughs> Cause they have some nice, uh, like Yazda five axis machines there. Um, so I think he just started, he just started learning HyperMill, or he's going to be learning it pretty soon. And yeah, and so he's gonna be like an intense programmer, and we're gonna we're gonna steal all his knowledge once he, <laughs> once he gets done with his training. But, I want to learn. Um, mill. Yeah, I think that's a great way to go. Uh, being proficient at running the machines and programming the parts—that's um, a pretty good setup for a long and and uh, rewarding career.
0: in Manufacturing, I would say. Um, out of curiosity, um, I as an engineer. I've always heard that machinists hate us because yes. we design parts that are terrible to machine. Yes. It's, okay, so you've observed mm-hmm. that. Yes. Uh, does it ever go the other way around? Do you, do you, like, have you ever gotten like flack from engineers? Like, oh, you're just doing it wrong? or? Y-
2: yeah. So at my work, we have this guy who will not be named, who is a very good machinist. He has more machining experience than I have experience breathing. Um, He's a good machinist, but he knows zero math. Like, I have to do his trig for him, which I stopped because he talks down to blonde females. So I stopped doing his trig for him, and his crashes went (laughs) through the roof. But, uh, yes, he doesn't know basic math like trig. Like, that's very basic math. He does not get that. He can machine, we have a UMC, he's good at that. He cannot program and he cannot do math. Right now at work we have a programmer who is not an engineer, he's a machinist that taught himself how to program. He's smarter than our, a lot of engineers I know, but he can also make what he, machine, what he programs. And so this unnamed person I work with, Takes his programs from our programmer who is a very competent machinist and a smart ass programmer. Like he's what I'm trying to be. And this machinist takes his programs and crashes them all the time. And it will be because he's not paying attention and he's not setting it up right. So he blames our programmer for his mistakes because he isn't good at taking responsibility for his own actions. So it's a flip side where I've seen kind of both. And we have a lot of engine, or we have a lot of engineers in my work that are good because they like if you're an engineer and you've never welded, they'll send you to a welding class because you need to know what that is. Even if you're not in the welding department, you're nothing, you just need to know what welding is same with machining like at my work we like our engineers to actually have some of that hands on for that reason so that they're better at programming or making yeah. for us but yeah i i, I mean i've probably done it too but i have one coworker in particular who does a lot of stupid things and then blames it on the higher ups because he can basically mm-hmm. so as machinists we hate engineers for a reason. Not all of you are horrible, but... It's like, since I've done a little of the schooling and everything, like I respect it and I get it, but also it's like, when you get blueprints and you literally can't make that part, it's just ridiculous, and that is why a lot of us hate engineers. Like, if you actually could make that part, you wouldn't design it that way. And so it's like, why would you design it that way? Like, you can't make it. Like it's, it's literally impossible to make. What are you thinking?
0: So it's it's kind of good that you have this background.
1: <laughs> so I have a question for you. So I know you, you've worked with um, some high-end metal printers, right, so the kind of... Uh,
2: the metal printers, I just sit there and drool over, they don't let me touch. Those are at Cal Poly. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not clear to touch those.
1: I always keep an eye on it because I'm kind of wondering like where they're, where that's going to end up versus machining, you know, in the future for the way products are made, right? Because you can definitely make some things on the 3D printer that you just, it's geometry you just couldn't really machine no matter how good you are. Um, yeah. But then they have, you know, they have a lot of, I don't think anyone's taking parts off a 3, like a 3D printer, metal printing printer without doing some machining on it too, so um, yeah, I just kind of was wondering, I didn't, I was thinking you'd actually use those, but, uh.
2: No, I wish I did, <laughs> but no, I don't. Um, but I mean, so the metal printing that they have is super neat and machining is awesome, but as a foundry lover, um, my big thing that the, people are doing right now is they're printing sand molds and they're machining sand molds for castings. And I think that is going to do a lot more than printing metal because it's a hell of a lot cheaper and way easier and less dangerous. Like, sand's not usually flammable. Uh, But they they can print a sand mold and it'll eliminate most of the issues with casting and sand molds. Like, you don't need to worry about draft angles. You don't need to worry about anything like that one, and it's still new technology, but they can, just like a, you know, normal 3D printer, they can print a sand mold for a casting that makes geometries that you couldn't make before, but if you can print the mold and sand, you can cast it, and also machining out a sand mold is really cool. There's this company in America called Tinker Omega, but they just got partially bought out, bought out by Cinto. Um But so it's like Cinto Tinker Omega. But so they make a sand printer and then they also do stuff with sand machining. That's, I think, way cooler than printing metal. Like printing metal's neat, but who could do that, you know? But the sand is just, like, it's, it's badass, and it makes it so you can almost make anything, and...
1: And you get to pour, like, glowing hot metal, liquid metal Exactly. That's it.
2: Yeah. Like, when I got into welding, my dad, the metal caster, gave me shit, because it's like, you're just playing with this tiny pool of molten metal, what a loser. And I'm like, sorry, dad, we can't all have this glowing pot of molten metal. I just have this tiny puddle, you know? Well, I don't know if he even told you. His whole thing is welding is for people who can't cast.
0: Oh, is that?
2: And so I will (laughs) say welding is for people who want to make it right the first time. Because when you cast the first time, you're going to fuck it up. The second time, you're probably going to fuck it up. Say you make 10 molds, five of them may turn out, you know, it's metal does what it feels like doing. And so half the stuff I make, I just remelt and pour again, you know, but with metal casting, like failure is just most more than half of what you do is messed up and it's not going to work. And so it's like, metal casting's fun, you get all this metal, but like you don't usually come out with a good part off the bat, (laughs) where welding you can, (laughs) very easily. So we always give each other shit back to back about that, so. I wish you could've met my dad, so Winston got to meet him, he's a character.
0: That's an understatement.
2: Yeah. Like, I can't really explain him. He's just his own special flower with wonderful opinions and stories. And he makes me look like, I guess I've kind of been good about not saying fuck every other word. But I'm usually not. My dad is just one. It's like around the block. Yeah. And people, like, he's very polar. Like, people either love him or they hate him. There's no like, oh, he's a cool dude. It's either like, oh, he's awesome, or like, dear God, does he shut up? <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, if you ever come out to California, you'll have to meet him. But poor Winston had to sit through what, like three hours?
1: <laughs> he did a great job of getting you kind of focused on a, I would say, a unique career. So that's, that's pretty amazing. Instilled that in you at a very young age.
2: Yeah, it's weird, because he never he never really, like, pushed that. Go to engineering, go to manufacturing. He let us just do our own thing. So one of, like, the best things about him, my weird-ass dad, is that, like, he only had daughters, and he probably would have loved to have a son, but he didn't. So he basically made us, like girls that are also boys i don't know how to put that in a pc way or whatever but he made us very like him and
0: i I think it's just like you don't see there's no reason that a girl can't do badass things like
2: yeah that's and he he never it was never weird about like oh you're a girl i'm you're in the foundry or you're a girl you're doing this it was always like do that. I told you to do that, do it, you know, blah. So when I went into welding, yeah, he loved it. He wanted us to do it. And it was like, well, if I'm going to have these kids around, I might as well like have them melt some metal, you know? So when I got into like the welding program and there were like no girls and it was so weird to have a girl in the shop, I was like, that was my first Interaction with people thinking it was weird for a girl to be in the shop when I'd already been in a shop for like 20 years (laughs) Because he and everyone around him. It was just like Make stuff, you know, you want to make something make it. It doesn't really matter and who cares and Like he's not a politically correct person. He's nothing like that at all but he doesn't give a shit if yeah, but he doesn't give a shit if you're a dude, a chick, you know, what color, what, whatever, where you came from. It's like, do you want to make something? We're going to make something. So he always made it very just, like, I never thought it was weird for a girl to do this kind of stuff because he never made us feel like it was weird uh, until I got to school and people thought it was weird. And I was like, why are you, you weirdos thinking I'm weird? You're weird, you know? get over it like he's also why I'm very sassy
1: (laughs) we've kept you from your dogs probably longer than they're
2: oh they're laying here sleeping
1: I just wanted to say thank you very much Carolyn for coming on the show um I'm sorry it took so long so for the audience we've been trying to get Carolyn on for about a year and various reasons uh mostly at the dfx side and technical difficulties with the recording remotely which we now are comfortable doing. Yeah, it took a while to get you on here, but I'm really glad you you were able to get with us tonight. Really enjoyed having you on the show, Carolyn.
2: Well, thanks for making time for me. And, I mean, Winston, thanks for coming all the way up here oh, and suffering through I four hours of my dad's rambling.
0: <laughs> I actually hope that one day we can get your dad on the podcast because he is a delightful human being.
2: Yeah, Eddie, you, you guys really should have him, but you have to, like, narrow his focus. You have to keep him on track because his stories go all over. Like, he'll have you talking about World War II and why, why, why they ended up in Poland when you just asked it, like, some random casting question. <laughs> so, but, yeah, I think he has a lot of good stories and opinions and a lot to say. <laughs> so he would be awesome on your guys' show. You just have to rein him in. Well,
1: that's a great idea. Hey, Winston, did you um, have any last words or anything you wanted to ask? I, I kind of did a lot of talking. I don't know if you got to ask everything you wanted to ask.
0: I think we, we hit all the important points, so uh, I, I'm, I'm good to go if you are.
1: All right. Well, Carolyn, I think we'll say good night, and really delightful having you on the show. Thanks for coming.
2: All right. Yeah, thanks for having me. All
1: right. Uh, good night, everyone.
2: Night.